This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Jewish Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Matthew Miller, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Rabbi Dr. Mordechai Schiffman about his new book, Psyched for Torah, Cultivating Character and Well-Being Through the Weekly Parsha, published by Kodesh Press in 2022. Rabbi Dr. Mordechai Schiffman's writings on the Weekly Parsha exude complete fluency in both traditional Jewish sources, as well as 20th and 21st century psychological research. Most importantly, His writing presents a stunning and seamless integration between modern and traditional sources, excavating meaningful, transformative, and unexpected insights from the weekly Parsha. Mordechai, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a bit about yourself. Sure. Um, Mordechai Schiffman. I am a rabbi. got my rabbinic ordination from uh, Rabbi Isaac Ohanan Theological Seminary at Yeshiva University, Reitz. I have a degree, a master's from Azraeli Graduate School of Jewish Education uh, for Bernard Reverell Graduate School of Jewish Studies in uh, Jewish Philosophy, as well as a doctorate from St. John's University in Queens. I practice as a psychologist, as well as a professor now at Azraeli. I tried to, and an assistant rabbi at Kingsway Jewish Center in Brooklyn. Um, I try to integrate with everything I do, some blend of psychology and Torah together. Uh, practically trying to help uh, myself and others uh, live uh, the best flourishing lives that they can uh, through the challenges that we all go through uh, in our daily lives. Moving specifically to the book, how did you come to write the book? So I've been uh, writing uh, for uh, trying to write about psychology, teaching about psychology and Torah uh, for uh, for many years. And um, I was approached uh, by a local uh, newspaper and asked uh, whether or not I would be willing to write a weekly uh, partial column that integrates the two. Um, I wasn't really sure if I should. I wasn't sure at the time if I had enough to uh, to go on on a weekly basis, but decided to uh, throw my hat over the wall and uh, throw my bag over the wall and just and went for it. And uh, thank God, uh, weekly for two years, we sent uh, another uh, weekly essay on the Parsha and uh, and psychology, and that's how this eventually turned into Psych for Torah as, as a book. So going from the process of writing for the website, writing for the publication, and then turning it into transforming it into the book, what was the process like there? Was there specific editing overall that you needed to do? Was there major changes, minor changes? How exactly did that come about? Sure. So, you know, we had the basic framework there already when we decided to take it from the weekly essays to to the book. Uh, what we're 
what what I tried to do mainly uh, was to, besides for just basic editing and trying to create a, a, a voice that that's unified when you write weekly separately for over the course of two years, you know, depending on what mood you're in when you're writing, it might sound a little bit different. So we had to uh, create a little bit of a, of a unified uh, voice throughout. Uh, but also uh, for many of the essays, tried to bulk up on the the endings, the practical practical takeaways uh, that might have been a little bit lacking in the in the beginning, uh, as well as to source everything and give further readings that uh, people can uh, can look at. the The newspapers themselves always said, "Don't source things." You know, just uh, you know, people will trust you. We don't have room for uh, for footnotes and all all of that. Um, and I wanted to make sure that the readers, at least of the of the book, had no know where I got everything from and have uh, further readings uh, and there is a further reading section uh, at the end that they can go and explore the topics on on their own catch catch my mistakes or create their own insights so I want to go through the book um, not page by page but at least from the beginning to the end and and, and see some things want to give a good balance between giving people a, a good taste but then also going out to buy the book which is which is great as well and so the beginning of the book, is of course the title. And the title is Psyched for Torah. Then the subtitle is Cultivating Character and Well-Being Through the Weekly Parsha. And so just to make sure our listeners know, the Parsha is the weekly Torah portion that traditional Jews are reading each week in the synagogue. For the title itself, were there other titles that you had explored or was this what you came up with right away, right off the bat? Uh, that's, uh, you know, I, I wanted to come up something that was attractive, somewhat catchy. Uh, Psyched for Torah, uh, I definitely had some brainstorming sessions uh, and uh, spoke to some colleagues, uh, but it did. Uh, it, it did w- once I heard it and it clicked. I, I liked it. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little. Uh, you know, it, it's it's cute. You know, but on the other hand, it, it sort of brings out exactly uh, what we're trying to do in terms of the combination of psychology and, and Torah together, and also uh, that excitement, which uh, I, I do think the combination creates creates an excitement that uh, that allows us to, to understand these ideas in a little bit more depth. Uh, the the subtitle of Cultivating Character and Well-Being Through the Weekly Parsha came came later. So Psych for I had as the main title when I started writing the weekly essays. When we started putting it towards towards the book, and I wanted to come up with the the subtitle, uh, I think that this encapsulated already when I was done. I'm not sure it was so intentional when I started, but when I was done, I saw the themes that you know from week to week that were coming out and that were you know that what I focused on when I what I talk about for for the most part. Um, I believe that there is very little uh, direct overlap between the essays. So there's around a hundred essays. Each one is fundamentally different. Um, not every idea is different. There's uh, very, very few conceptual overlaps as well. But at the same time, there there are running themes. Um, and the running themes seem to be uh, how we can uh, use the, the Torah ideas and the psychological ideas uh, to help us live a, a flourishing life and to increase our own and communal uh, well-being. And, and a lot of that is through our character, development of character and, um, and emotional well-being. And those are, are some of the themes that, that came up and that's how the the subtitle came came about as well and the next thing that we see on the title on the cover page actually it's between the actual title and the subtitle is an image a nice image of of a a face in profile and we see this person it's just a, a shadow of sorts but it's got a maze a maze over the person and then in the brain area there's a, a torah which is in some ways either on fire or, or there's a light behind it so is this something that you came up with? You thought of? Is this something 
that the publishers came up with. What do you make of this, and, and what can the readers take out of this image on the on the cover? Uh, sure. So I I originally designed the the original logo for for Psych for Torah, which looks slightly different than this. You can go on my website and, and check it out. The old logo is still there. Uh, the combination of the the profile head uh, with the with the Torah uh, was always there. So that was my original uh, combination of the psych for Torah together is having the the head and you know the brain, the head and the uh, the Torah in combination overlapping. Um, the uh, we did go to a designer who used that as a as a stepping stone and then uh, put his own uh, twist on it. And that's where you get the you know the end result here, uh, which added the maze component, which I, I think has some uh, metaphoric value there uh, in terms of uh, it's not always clear what's going on in our brain and, and what we're what we're thinking or feeling, uh, but that the the Torah does have the capability to help us uh, elucidate and illuminate uh, what uh, what's going on for us and for others as well. So I mentioned at the top of the show and you discussed in your introduction that you have two hats in some ways, a rabbinic hat, so rabbinical ordination, as you said, as you were describing yourself, and then a doctor, a clinician hat as well. So in a broad sense, but also looking specifically at the book and what you write about, how do you take these two different hats, these two different roles, these two identities, how do you bring them together? Are they in some ways distinct? How do you take them and then produce this great work? So I, I think that for me, they are inherently integrated together. Um, I do look at, at everything as a unified whole, um, as I uh, sort of alluded to before, in the sense of um, the combination of the, the rabbinic, the Torah, uh, and the psychological to are really ways that we can um, that we can utilize to help us uh, have the clarity of. of trying to live the, the best lives that, that we can live and help others do the same. Uh, they are overlapping in sort of the Venn diagram on that matters that they're both trying, they're both trying to, to do that in slightly different ways, um, but overlapping ways. Uh, so I, I tend to focus on the, the middle of that uh, Venn diagram where, where the overlaps are, are there and present. And um, I, I definitely see myself both in my, both in my synagogue where uh, not just, talking about psychology, but even in how I, I tried to uh, run programs and, uh, and, and the classes that I give uh, do integrate the uh, psycholo- psychology, whether explicitly or, or implicitly. Um, and in my psychology, I, I do, uh, you know, depending on the, the clients or depending on the, the forum, uh, try to integrate uh, spirituality, religion where appropriate. Um, I do think that, that the field of psychology is moving in this direction and, and for the better. Uh, these uh, psychology needs, uh, needs a little bit of religion and, and religion uh, can use a, a little bit of the, uh, the methodologies and the, the empiricism and the, uh, you know, the research and the application that the, the field of psychology uh, can offer. And, and that's where I try to, to blend those two together. I want to look at both the different types of sources that, that we discussed a little bit before. So your commentary, your, your work has two different components, which are, are blended together. There's the traditional sources, so the, the Talmud, the rabbis of the Talmud, as well as later rabbis, more contemporary rabbis. And then there are those psychological thinkers, the psychologists, the clinicians, the people within the field of psychology across many different areas. How do you bring these together? And then also more specifically, what are different examples, different people that you can speak to who were formative and who you quote frequently 
and that you derive insights from? So I, I the I think the book, and if you read through it, you'll see there's there's a vast uh, amount of of thinkers that are that are quoted, um, and not from a particular field or subfield of psychology. It's it's I, I try to be broad in, in who I'm quoting and, and what ideas I'm, I'm bringing in, um, as well in the the Torah sphere. Uh, besides for the the Talmud and the uh, the sages of, of the Talmud and the Midrashim, um, the uh, the medieval commentaries, uh, as well as the the more modern commentaries, uh, my goal is in I guess broadly speaking, is is to present a sophisticated way of of reading the text uh, that it's not just one nice idea and here's a connection to psychology and let's call it a day, but rather it's it's through the uh, in depth analysis of the Torah text as well as a better understanding of the uh, the the nuances of the of the psychological ideas. So, when, when in any given week, when I wanted to figure out what I was going to be talking about, so my, my method uh, slightly different depending on the week, but I would uh, look through the uh, through the weekly Torah portion um, and highlight in my head uh, different psychological themes that sort of stuck out, whether it was an emotion word or whether it was. Uh, um, you know, a, a conversation, a conflict, some, something that was happening that sort of spelled out or, or shined through on that here's potential for psychology. Um, and then what I would do is I would think through uh, my, my two sort of databases in my head, um, what psychological theory, idea, research, study uh, is theoretically applicable here. Um, and then I would, I would research it. So I would make sure that when I was quoting it, even if I knew it already, that I would go beneath the surface you know go in the in the in the articles in the in the books to to see if there's some added detail there that i that can that can give me a, a little bit of a of a nuance of a of a different uh, vision of, of an idea that i didn't know just from the basic uh you know starting point and then i would do the same thing for the for the torah idea so if there was a, a verse that stuck out i wouldn't stop at the verse i would look and see okay let's look at what all the commentaries have to say about this let's look at what the the medieval commentaries with the modern commentaries and and it's through that analysis through that uh through the depth where the overlaps and and the uh, the synthesis really came through. Um, so by by going deep into into both disciplines, um, I was able to uh, what I hope was a, sort of demonstrate how uh, how we can integrate the two in a way that's again meaningful and has a message of of growth uh, that we can all uh, that we can all try to internalize. Uh, so if you're uh, thinking about you know particular commentaries or particular studies, again, so it would depend on the on the particular topic that we're talking about, but there, there, there are some go-to modern commentaries on the Parsha that were very helpful. Like if you wanted to be psychologically minded, uh, they, they're a good starting point, uh, to, to look in. Um, and that, uh, spans from something like uh, Rabbi Abraham J. Tversky, who has a, uh, wonderful book called Tversky on Chumash. Uh, he himself was a, was a psychiatrist, um, and, and speaks a lot, makes a lot of connections to broad psychological theories, but he was particularly, uh, an expert in, in addictions. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of insights in his book. There is um, another psychologist, Rabbi uh, Rabbi uh, Dr. Tzvi Hirsch Weinreb, has a book uh, 
recently put out, published by Magid Press, The Person in the Parsha, also integrates some psychology and Torah together. Uh, Rabbi Zelig Pliskin has a book called Growth Through Torah. He's a social worker who um, who also has some tremendous insights, uh, primarily focused on the Musser movement, on ethical, uh, religious teachings. And... Um, you know, being from from YU, uh, Rabbi Yeshiva University, uh, Rabbi Joseph B. Salvechik, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb, both of their uh, Parsha insights were fundamentally uh, important to, to help frame my thinking. Uh, but probably the most sort of building up to the to the end here um, would be Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Uh, his his essays on the Parsha were, uh, oh, I always went to them to start off, even if I wasn't going to get anything for them for what I'm writing. I just wanted to learn them and read them on my own. But more often than not, and, I, and you'll see this in the book because I, I do quote him uh, many times, there's a tremendous, his his vast knowledge and understanding of, of the field of psychology, as well as almost any other field was uh, tremendously insightful, and uh, and and he was a go to, a, a go to text that I went to. So those um, thinkers, those rabbis, had great psychological insight, presented psychological um, opinions, or had ideas which included some degree of, of psychology within them in, in varying degrees. One of the things we spoke about um, before before the show. But there, there's another book as, as well, um, which was republished by Kodesh Press by Dr. Vivian Skolnick, who, who passed away recently. Um, in some ways, I want this this episode to be um, in memory of her because she was um, someone who, who was an important thinker, someone who had a lot of great ideas. And so she published a book as well on the Parsha, bringing her psychological framework to bear and understanding and interpreting the, the different Torah portions using her own psychological framework. So I wonder, how do you think about her book? Is it something that you had read before? Something that you you used? How do you compare your book as well to what she had written? Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm very familiar with her work. I, I do own it, and I have gone through it as well. And I did consult it uh, consistently. It turns out that I I ended up not using uh, what she wrote that often, uh, but only because of, of my own approach and, and perhaps limitations. Uh, my, uh, my approach is, is primarily uh, an approach that doesn't rely on psychodynamic uh, Freudian interpretations, um, and, and hers was heavily uh, based on that. Uh, that doesn't make it uh, better or worse. It's just different. Uh, my training uh, in psychology does not follow that. So anytime I would sort of get into the nitty gritty of that, I would I would find myself not being able to fully uh, be able to present the ideas in a way that was, uh, you know, that that would have been enlightening. So uh, as a limitation of myself, I did appreciate and and, and read her work, uh, but it wasn't exactly the direction that my my essays go in. So my essays are not, uh, again, for for better or worse, uh, psychodynamically oriented. Um, I'm not sure I quote Freud. Uh, at all, uh, maybe once. I don't know. I have to do a, a search. Um, and if it is, it's to say that I'm not quoting him or, or something along those lines. Um, and then, um, and, and even the the later uh, Freudian interpretations, just not my not my expertise or or what we focus on. So her book uh, was and is, uh, you know, a a go to on my bookshelf. I just didn't use it practically for the writings of this of these essays. And that's a good segue. We spoke before about the rabbinic, the Jewish influences that you had. What were, who were the psychological influences, the psychologists 
or what have you who influenced your work and who you brought and quoted within your book? Sure. So as I mentioned before, there is a, a broad, you know, vast uh, quotations from from different subfields of psychology. You know, my my teachings of uh, intro to psychology classes and AP psychology over the years uh, definitely helped to uh, to broaden my vision. You know, most people when uh, when I when I would teach uh, intro to psych classes uh, back in the day, uh, people assumed they were taking the class that we were going to cover therapy, right? So mental illnesses and therapy, um, and they're sort of surprised that it's you know that's two court two chapters of a you know fourteen chapter book because it's really uh, psychology as a field is much broader than just um, than than just mental illnesses and and therapeutic treatments of it. Uh, so I, there is a there's a broad uh, quotation uh, within the book and from many sub-disciplines within psychology. But that being said, I would probably uh, think that my quotations are heavily influenced by the subfield of positive psychology, which is the field that um, probably excited me the most to pursue my doctorate in in psychology, when I was in Azraeli as a master's student, uh, getting my master's in Jewish education, so I was uh, privileged to take uh, many courses with Dr. David Palkovitz, um, who now is a colleague at Azraeli. Uh, but he, his love and uh, teaching of positive psychology, really steered me in that direction, and it's definitely something that I uh, would uh, consider myself a a, a heavy uh, proponent for. And, and many of the classes that I teach uh, do uh, use those uh, th- these. Uh, positive psychology concepts uh, heavily. Um, so that being said, uh, within the positive psychology movement, and you'll find these names quoted in, in many essays, uh, somebody like uh, Martin Seldman, who's considered the uh, the father of positive psychology, uh, Angela Duckworth, who uh, talks about grit, you'll find a few times uh, spread throughout. Uh, Carol Dweck, uh, concept of mindset, uh, comes up a, a few times as well. Um, but uh, others, others as well, um, that uh, not just within positive psychology, but but sort of span span the uh, span the gamut of different psychological themes. And I can, and, give, you more, I can give you more if you want, but uh, I would. There's a hundred of them or so. So uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that's beautiful. It's a good taster, and then if people want to find more, they've got to check out your book, check out your blog. So if we think about your amassing of knowledge, so I think. People throughout their life, of course, they amass knowledge. And so you've amassed knowledge in the field of psychology as a rabbi, as, as a, a learning Jew. You've, you've continued to, to learn different sources, learn different commentators, commentaries of the Bible. So as you're thinking about this and you're reflecting and thinking about the book that you've written, what have you been most surprised by? It's an interesting question. Uh, what have I been most surprised by? I guess that question is surprising. Uh, I haven't thought about that. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely going to get me to uh, to think a little bit. Um, I I guess the, the 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 most surprising thing for me, in, in retrospect, that I mentioned when when I started writing, was how am I going to be able to write, you know, so many uh, weekly essays on on these topics and, and not run out of, you know, not run out of, run, run of ideas and, and sort of re-upping for the second year. You know, I already did 50 of these. Am I going to be able to do another 50 or so? Um, and I, I find, even though I'm, I'm confident about the overlaps of, of psychology and Torah and that there's a lot of wisdom uh, that can be garnered from the, the relationship, um, I, I am somewhat surprised that 
I was that that there is that many, meaning so that it's at the core the the overlaps are 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 so numerous um, that it's really everywhere you look. So it's it's not just that here are some overlapping ideas, uh, but once you once you're able to go down into the depths, uh, there there really is uh, endless amount of of concepts and overlaps that that come about. Uh, so that that is, um, I guess. I don't know if we'd call it surprising, but definitely uh, a pleasant surprise and, and something that, that keeps me wanting to keep doing more and more. Uh, so that uh, that's that's definitely something to uh, that's hopeful and at the same time uh, a little bit surprising because it, it's it, there's a, it's like almost a, a, a limited way of looking at it to start off with. And that's like unlimited. There's so many more things you can do. That's a great answer. I think that makes a lot of sense. And if we look at the different essays, so you mentioned that you'd written around 50 essays, so you wrote for all the different portions, and then you wrote again. So, so each portion has about two different, very um, punchy and yet short and contained essays. And so we've got around 100 essays for all of the different Torah portions. And if, if we think about the Torah itself, of course, it's it's got five books. So there's the five books of Moses, and then there's all these different portions within them. Were there any broad, painted with broad strokes, themes that you saw? So if you look at Genesis, you look at Exodus, etc. Or or is it no, very much self-contained that each portion, irrespective of which book it in, had certain themes, and you didn't really think per se about the book that it was in as a whole. So definitely. Uh, the the latter um, in terms of how I was writing it. I, I did not think about each book as distinct. Um, I, it was basically on a local level per the per the the Torah portion to find the ideas that, that are embedded within it. Uh, it would be an interesting intellectual essay to go back and see if those themes uh, came out regardless, even if I wasn't intentional in the in the first half. I mean, there's no question that you know when you read uh, the first, when you read Genesis, there's going to be a lot of essays uh, related to relationships and um, and the like, because that is to some extent uh, what the book uh, primarily focuses on and the, the family dynamics. Um, that being said, not all essays are about relationships, and there's there's no clear running theme throughout the essays that makes that makes that explicit. Um, so I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I think it would be it would be fun. You've you've given me homework now to see if I can if I can pull that out. Uh, but definitely wasn't intentional to make any running themes throughout each specific book. Um, but maybe maybe just inherently that's that's how it came out. I don't know. We'll have to see. Continuing on the theme of the different books of the Bible. So traditional Jewish communities have just started just this week as we're recording are beginning to read the book of Exodus. And we want to hear some insights for either this portion or some of the initial portions of the book of Exodus. So people can get a flavor of what you're trying to do. Would you be able to share any specific insights with our listeners? Um, sure. So the, uh, the, the first week of uh, Shemot, which is uh, this week. We'll see if it gets posted in time or not. But either way, can, the best part about the uh, the weekly Torah portion is you could always get to it next year as well. Um, but the, the focus on Shemot in um, both of the essays uh, really relates to uh, Moses' ability to uh, development as a leader and how that development as a leader relates to how he interacts um, and really 
uh, helps pro-socially, uh, his ability to help others and related uh, both to his, uh, his empathy. Um, and uh, in one of the essays, I developed the idea that empathy has a few different components to it. Um, and that empathy is not just about uh, feeling what other people feel or uh, thinking about uh, what other people might be thinking or feeling, uh, but rather that it's uh, primarily a way of motivating us to act in order to to help others, and that really is what uh, what Moses does in uh, helping uh, in throughout the uh, this uh, this week's por- uh, Torah portion in in making sure that he's helping others because he feels their pain, but it's not just feeling it; it's therefore motivated uh, to act and to do. We can feel people's pain, but if we sit back and do nothing, it's not really that important of an empathy. Uh, so the compassionate empathy, which uh, which leads to that. Uh, that action is really what is essential, as well as uh, the other essay relates to his uh, not being a bystander. So the famous uh, psychological study uh, related to uh, Kitty Genovese, who was uh, killed, uh, murdered, um, and uh, a lot of controversy as to how that study stands the test of time. But uh, the basic idea seems to still be true. Um, and that is that uh, sometimes people don't act even when uh, we would assume that they should. If somebody's in danger, uh, they just become bystanders. And uh, part of the goal of a lot of bullying education and the like is that uh, people should be upstanders and uh, act when people are, are being hurt. Um, and really, uh, Moses as well stands as an upstander throughout uh, the stories. Uh, he sees something uh, going wrong and he goes and he does and he fixes it and he uh, he makes sure that he uh, that he stands up for those who are oppressed. Um, and, and really those two essays, even though they're written a year apart and they are distinct have have a similar running theme in terms of of how Moses developed as somebody who sees the the pain of others and is able to then go and and act and do and that's really sets the stage for his later uh, chosenness as the leader of the Jewish people. Uh, so that's that's for the first one. Then uh, we could keep going. I can, I can give you a little bit of overview of, of many of them. Maybe I'll give you one for for the next uh, week's Torah portion, just in case that's when this is published. Uh, but it's actually one of my favorite essays in the book. It's called Deep Breaths, um, and it relates to the idea that uh, the Jewish people weren't able to hear the words of hope and the words of redemption that that Moses was trying to tell them in, in the name of God that they were going to be freed. It says they couldn't hear him because there was hard work and shortness of breath. And the commentaries here, this is one of those uh, great examples of where the uh, uh, of where the commentaries, uh, if you dig deep, because uh, there's a textual question here, it seems to be redundant uh, to have uh, is the hard work and shortness of breath. Is the shortness of breath because of the hard work or is it different? And the commentaries diverge and give you different possibilities here where they uh, really come to a, a really psychological, psychologically nuanced understanding of why somebody uh, might be stressed out or uh, distressed or um not being able to be receptive uh, to the messages of hope, not just because they're working too hard, uh, but because they're anxious, um, because they're depressed, because they're angry, a whole host of, of different emotions that come through the commentaries. Um, and really what it, it goes to is the uh, uh, awareness that when we are emotionally distressed, we tend to have shortness of breath and we don't have take the, you know, we don't breathe correctly physiologically. Um, that has its uh, manifestations and effects on us. Um, and the way to combat that therapeutically, one of the uh, true, uh, tried and true advice that that works and has uh, data and research behind it and has uh, 
precedent in the in in Jewish thought as well as in other uh, religious thought as well, um, is that the concept of taking deep breaths is really restorative um, and can help with our emotion regulation and emotion management. So uh, the idea here is that they they couldn't be receptive. They they were angry, stressed, anxious, uh, afraid, depressed, uh, etc. Um, and the the way to uh, perhaps combat that not to not to judge them uh, in any means. Not you know that we can't even put ourselves in their shoes at, at any rate, but uh, at least the message seems to be uh, that uh, in order to to combat these distressful psychological situations, the ability to to learn how to take deep breaths and, and calm ourselves down uh, will allow us to focus on the messages of of hope and redemption that are that are around us. Beautiful, it's a beautiful message for all of those different essays, and look forward to to coming back to those this year and in years to come. We, I think we've spent some time here discussing a number of aspects of the book, which I really appreciate, and I appreciate your time very much. Is there anything else that we haven't discussed? Any other questions that you wish that I would have asked so that you can tell some the listeners about some other things which we didn't cover? Uh, you know, you're a, a great interviewer, and you definitely covered a, a lot of uh, a lot of great questions that were uh, that were comprehensive in uh, in covering the the basics of the book. Um, I, I do. Sort of double down and reiterate that uh, there are a uh, hundred different uh, what I hope to be uh, meaningful and uplifting and um, and and transformative in in its own way uh, messages that uh, s- really span the gamut of 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 psychological insights and nuances and each one uh, is really embedded within uh, I think a, a Torah insight as well so it's it's not trite it's not uh, one simple idea that's connected to a, another simple idea um, I, I really try to give a, a depth uh, and there it's it's not just I, I, I hope again I'm it's not just that it's uh, uplifting but it's also uh, cognitively engaging uh, so there's a, a combination here of the of the intellect and, and the and the emotion slash motivation um, that uh, that each, each essay is aspiring to um, I guess you could read them and and agree or disagree but that's definitely what my what my goal was when I was when I was writing them thank you and I'd say I, I personally agree I, I've taken up a lot of your time on the new books network we have a traditional closing question I'd like to ask you what are you working on next? Sure. So that's uh, that's a tough one to answer. Uh, a few things. Uh, so I'm currently writing uh, a new weekly essay on psychology and ethics of our fathers, so Perke Avos. So that's called Psyched for Avot. Um, you can uh, subscribe to that on my website, uh, psychedfortorah.com, or it's uh, printed weekly in the uh, in the Jewish press. So that's uh, hopefully will be compiled into the the next book. Uh, similar methodology. Uh, it's a different text, uh, Ethics of Our Father, um, but it lends itself to many psychological insights, um, and uh, with a similar strategy uh, of trying to find the nuances within the the commentaries uh, through each through each of those mishnayos, uh, through each of those uh, of the essays, will be able to uh, to garner some uh, some more psychological insight. Um, and the the other thing that I'm working on, which is more of a long term goal, is I'm trying to uh, go a little bit. Even deeper. Uh, so I'm I'm currently uh, pursuing uh, some uh, some more education in the field of, of Jewish studies um, at Bernard Rebel Graduate School to try and 
really find the insights of w- within the academic world of psychological themes within Jewish texts. So, so really taking going a, a layer deeper um, into how to understand uh, psychology in the Talmud and psychology and in, in Jewish philosophy and psychology uh, in, in the Bible from a uh, from a more uh, methodologically sound way. Uh, so it's it's not just uh, an inspirational idea, but really to try to understand the text in their in their original uh, in terms of what the uh, what the emotions of the how the Talmudic rabbis understood uh, the concept of, of emotions. Is it the same as as we do as it's the same or similar uh, to other uh, influences at, uh, during their time, uh, Greek influences or, or the like? And, and Long term, what I would like to do is to sort of be able to uh, to really uh, strip down all of the uh, all of the layers to get down to the kernel of of, of real understanding of what the what the what the rabbis were saying, what the texts were saying, um, and then and see how that tracks. Almost a, a journey of intellectual uh, history uh, to see how these ideas uh, get. Uh, transformed, changed, adapted uh, throughout the throughout the ages. Um, you know, take a concept of, of anger um, and see how it was understood in in uh, in different books of of the uh, of Tanakh of the Bible, and then uh, how the sages understood it versus how Maimonides understood it. Um, see what's the same, see what's a little bit different, what were their influences from, from other disciplines as well. So there's a lot, a lot of cool and fun stuff there that I'm, uh, uh, that I'm interested in, in pursuing further. And at some point that'll maybe turn into another book, but just, uh, just dabbling at this point, getting, getting our feet wet. All right. So we got a, another couple of interviews that we got to schedule for, for when the time is right. Sure. Thank you very much. We've been talking to Rabbi Dr. Mordechai Schiffman, author of Psyched for Torah, Cultivating Character and Wellbeing through the weekly Parsha, published by Kodesh Press in 2022. Happy reading, my friends.